Hello and bom dia, meus amores. Welcome to this episode where I'm going to talk about Maria's Portuguese Table, um, a really great uh, TV series that is showing on PBS. I have lots to talk about. Stay tuned. Olá! Bom dia! Tudo bem? Hey, welcome back. Um, I wanted to talk about and highlight a really great show that's happening on PBS right now, um, being shown in America. It started on the East Coast. Um, and now I think it's being picked up all across America on a whole bunch of different PBS stations. Um, this show is called Maria's Portuguese Table, and it's done by Maria Lawton, who is known on Facebook as Maria Lawton, the uh, Azarian green bean, I believe. Um, and she's a chef. Um, a home chef, which means that she doesn't have a restaurant. She just sort of cooks for her family. Um, and, and so there are two seasons. She's just wrapped up the second season. Hopefully there's going to be a third. Um, she herself is from Fall River. And her family had come from the island of São Miguel, I believe both parents, in the late 50s, early 60s because of the... Um, uh, uh, um, Immigration Act, the Azarian Refugee Act um, that happened in 1958. And her family settled in Fall River and she grew up in the traditions of that community. Um, and there are, so um, if you live anywhere else in the United States, you might not really know about the Azores and the diaspora. Um, but a lot of the first, for, I would say the first landings that happened um, as people were emigrating from the Azores because of the volcano that happened in 1957 on Fayal, um, a lot of people came first to Massachusetts. And there was already sort of a, a group of um, people from the Azores in New Bedford, which is known for its whaling community. Um, and then also in Fall River, which is sort of nearby, um, this is southern Massachusetts, and then also in northern Rhode Island, um, I would say that it goes, the community sort of goes into Pawtucket, and, you know, um, it's, it's not limited to um, those major towns, but those are the ones um, to be highlighted. Um, also, there's a group in Cambridge um, that's closer to where I grew up, um, you know, which is, it's very funny. It's across town from where um, Harvard College is, Harvard University, MIT, um, you know, Northern Cambridge is, North Cambridge is um, a little bit of a, a little bit of a Portuguese community. Um, and so anyway, back to Maria Lawton. Um, she had grown up in America. Um, making Portuguese meals um, for her family. And she has two cookbooks out, I believe. 
Um, one of the reasons I wanted to highlight her as a chef is because of her, um, it's not just the authenticity, but it's like the, the genuine, like acknowledgement of, yeah, there's no such thing as like one Portuguese way of being. There's so many different, um, ways that it comes out. Um, yet there's still like one solid tradition. Um, the whole uh the whole series um there are i don't know what you know um seven or eight episodes i think per se per season and um for each one she goes to a different town and a different community um in season two she goes to a bunch of the azores islands um but I, her her uh her talents as a chef in her, one of her cookbooks, the one that I have, I wanted to make, all right, here's my story. I wanted to make arroz dos, which means sweet rice. Rice is arroz and dos is sweet. It's a, it's a very, very traditional dessert. You're going to see it at every baptism, every wedding, every time there's a bunch of Portuguese people getting together, one of the vovos, one of the grandmothers, brings this dish. And my mother had always taught me, especially if you have a, like a, a gallon of milk or half gallon of milk, and it's, you know, it's sort of too much to really throw out. And it hasn't gone completely sour, but you know, it's starting to go off. It's time to make this, it's rice pudding, essentially. But it's a Portuguese rice pudding. And it's very important. You have to get everything right. So I go to Maria Lawton's cookbook. I look it up. And does she have one recipe? No. Does she have two recipes? No. She has three recipes for how to make this very simple rice pudding. And like, I don't know if it's, um, you know, standard across different cultures. I mean, you know, pudding is pudding and rice pudding is rice pudding. No, there's a very particular, very particular way to eat this and to make it. You always have to make sure that there's cinnamon, ideally fresh cinnamon, and ideally you have to like finish it off by doing some kind of pattern. You know, if you're simple, you're just going to do lines across it. Or like if you want to get really, really fancy, there are people that have like, you know, patterns and they either do it freehand or there's like some kind of, um, you know, uh, a, a pre-cut pattern that they create ahead of time. It depends how, how crazy you're going to be. I think the traditional vovos would just do lines across the pan because the very last step is you put it in, you know, one one giant pan to kind of cool off, right? A big rectangular pan um, or a bowl, like it's a pudding. What are you going to do? Um, but it's all about the presentation. So in these different recipes, like there's one aunt who, you know, has to have a certain brand of rice and, you know, my, my own mother, let me tell you, and she got it from my vovó. Um, it has to be river rice. It's in a yellow, you know, cardboard package. Um, cause the other rice won't do it, but you know, Maria's had like one of her, one of the recipes is from her mom is one from her cousin and one is from her aunt. 
I don't know. The aunt and the cousin, they use, I think, like minute rice or something. I don't know. Use river rice. That's the only way to do it. Anyway, um, and then it's like it's making pudding, right? So there are different steps in how you make pudding, but you essentially, you heat the milk, you put in sugar and eggs, and then you put in the rice. And like the big question is, do you cook the rice ahead of time? And the answer is yes. Always be careful when you're making a recipe with rice to figure out if it's cooked or uncooked. Usually they mean that it's already cooked. I made rice once for a turkey stuffing for Thanksgiving. And uh, I did not cook it ahead of time. So when I took the turkey out, the turkey had exploded because the rice had, you know, quadrupled in size and we had rice for ages. So anyway, that's just a warning from me. Um, back to the show. Maria's show is so fun and interesting. Um, like I said, in season one, she goes over like to different communities in America. Season two, she goes to the Azores. She actually, um, and I, I like, I have to give, you know, credit and props to her, her film crew. They are taking amazing shots. They must have a drone with them. But the quality of the images is incredible because you actually get a sense of the landscape. You, uh, you see all of the greens of the mountains and the calderas. Um, she, one of her last episodes, she goes to Fayal, um, which is known for being the island that was, um, that had a volcano on it in 1957 like i mentioned before um and it's called kapalinyush and that whole year my mother said was all about volcanic ash she could hear the ash she would put a scarf on her head to protect her hair and her hairstyle from the ash coming down she remembers the sound of the ash hitting her scarf as she's walking across the town of orta um, there were like 450 earthquakes in one night, um, on the island. It was, um, just, I don't want to say, I don't want to say devastation. Um, but it was, it was serious. It was a serious event. Um, and nobody died in the volcano and the the, and the earthquakes, but houses were destroyed, crops were destroyed. Um, it's, it's really, really tragic. And if you go there right now, you can tour the area and see, see what, like, see what a volcano does to an area of land. And if you look it up on a map, Fayal is shaped like a turtle, a tortaruga, and the area of Capelinuge is like the head of the turtle. Um, and not just the head, the volcano itself is like the, uh, you know, like a, like a wart on the nose of the, of the head of the turtle. And it added, it added to the, um, to the area of the island, but you go and it's just like a moonscape and you can see 
the um, lighthouse and the lighthouse used to be on the edge of the water and now it's it's very far inland and um, it's much shorter than it used to be because the volcano came up to the second or third floor um, it's very it's a very dramatic landscape and there's a, a really amazing museum um, underneath and there's a great history and um, geology that you can explore and I think most of the um, the displays are actually in English or in, um, in English and Portuguese so if you go it's very accessible um, and it's just designed really really well because the museum is like underground so it doesn't actually disturb the um, the view of you know like I said like the moonscape the very dramatic um, area of ash where the volcano had destroyed. Um, when I came to my family, um, they had lived in Orta and, you know, they had lived on the islands for literally my family can be traced or my mother's family can be traced, um, on the Azores for centuries. Um, and, um, within the past 200 years, I think, it was sort of they were on Fayal and Pico and Pico and Fayal and they'd go back and forth because because Pico is right across the canal. If you ever get a chance to read a book, there's a great like romance um, that's probably a hundred years old by now. Um, I believe it's um, Vittorio Nemesio is the author, and it's called Mal Tempo Nu Canal. Bad weather in the channel. Um, and it's about a tempestuous romance between um, somebody who, I think somebody who lives on Fayal and somebody who lives on Pico. I read it when I was a teenager. It's really, um, it's great. I think it might be a little cheesy. I don't want to offend anybody. I have not read it in years. I probably should read it again. Um, but that's sort of, <laughs> that's considered, I think, one of the main pieces of literature um, in, um, in the Azores. Um, and if I've gotten the author wrong, Vittorino Numesio, I think he wrote, he, yeah, he actually wrote, <laughs> I'm getting this, I'm getting this wrong because I don't have my notes in front of me. Um, but Vittorino Numesio is a famous author. Um, and there's another book called As Ilhas Desconocidas. And I think he wrote that. That means the um, the hidden islands. Um, anyway, the the show that Maria does is um, it's really it's really amazing. She the, like the layout of or the the framework she does in every episode. She'll go to a new place. She'll kind of walk around. And then around like, you know, the middle of the episode, she does a thing. And it's really great because she, you know, she seems like a very traditional, um, I don't want to say traditional Portuguese woman, a traditional woman who um, maybe doesn't get out of her comfort zone a lot. Um, but every single episode, they throw her <laughs> into like doing something wacky. Um, sometimes she's at a bakery, so, you know, or sometimes she'll cook some food or whatever. Every so often they'll have her um, sail. Um, in the Fayal one, they had her sailing a sailboat. 
um, I think in uh, Fall River, they had her um, operating um, a fishing trawler. It's really incredible. Okay, so I just got back from a quick break because not knowing all of this stuff was really driving me crazy. And so Vitorino Nemesio is the author of Mautempu Nu Canal. Um, I seriously just ran over to my bookshelf because I have been, um, I've been collecting books in Portuguese and English most of my life. Um, in case I haven't filled you in, my mother and I would go to Portugal and the Azores um, once every four years. She definitely has friends who go every single summer. Um, and I have lots of cousins who've just, who were born in America and who've never been, um, and who don't even like realize what it is to even go over there. Um, so I consider myself extremely lucky. So I've been there a bunch of times. I always try to go for at least a month at a time. Um, uh, but the last time I was there, I stayed for five months cause I did not want to come back home because I was having such a great time. Um, and I warn you that if your one of your hobbies is collecting books like mine, um, make sure that you go over with a really light suitcase or that you bring stuff for people. Um, because coming back, you pay extra, you pay for all the books and I always think it's worth it. Um, and somehow I have read Mautampunu Canal in English. Um, but I couldn't find an English copy, but of course I found two copies in Portuguese. So that's just how it is. Um, there is another great book that I had mentioned before, As Ilhas Desconocidas, um, which means the hidden islands, but that was actually written by Raul Brandao. Um, and that's a, that's a whole other, he, he's a, also another fabulous writer. Um, Vitorino Numesiu, um, published, um, Mount Tampanu Canal in like 1944. So I said it was like a hundred years ago. And part of me was like, that's not a hundred years. That's, you know, a, a really short time ago, but yeah, it's like what, almost 80 years now. Um, and I, <laughs> In a future episode, I will go deeper into literature and stuff. This episode, I still want to focus on um, Maria's Portuguese Table, the TV series, um, just because there's a lot of interesting um, media, I guess, that's being produced by people who were maybe born there and then came over as little kids or people who were like the only members of their family to actually be born in America or, um, or people who sort of feel caught in between. Um, and I'm definitely one of those people caught in between. My mother was born on Fayal. Um, I was born in Boston. Um, and every time I go, I, you know, I, um, I, so I started a podcast and I have a Facebook group and I have a blog. And every time I start one of these, um, I try to be a little bit consistent, um, about the titles. And I will admit right now, the title is a bit of a, of a joke, a little bit of a, a play. 
a play on words um, and a play on the idea that you can learn a whole language in just a few easy lessons. So the blog itself is the oldest and the blog is learn the Portuguese of the Azores in 10,000 easy lessons. And then I did a Facebook group, learn Azorean Portuguese in 100,000 easy lessons. And now I've just updated the title for this and it's uh, learn Portuguese of the Azores in a million easy lessons, because honestly, there's a lot of um, fabulous uh, detail in every single word. So there's that. Um, I am rambling because um, I'm actually headed to the Azores soon and I will be seeing my family, um, but it's going to be the first time that I'm going um, since my mother has passed away. Me and my Felicio, my mother died. Um, she passed away um, a little while ago. Um, which is why I'm very, very glad that I recorded that first episode with her and I have her voice. Um, anybody who is listening to me who has a living parent or a living grandparent, record their voice, please. <laughs> whether or not you make it public, whether or not you, um, think you're ever going to listen to it again, just record them because it's really amazing. Um, I wish I had my grandmother's voice, my vovó. Um, she was a, an amazing character. She lived with us when I was a kid and I'm always trying to figure out what years she lived with us because I think maybe from the year I was two until maybe the year, um, I was eight or nine because I think we went to the Azores um, and she stayed here in the house. Um, but it was very amazing to have her. Um, I remember the taste of her soups. Every day I would come home and she would have, um, she would slice an apple for me and put cinnamon on it and sugar. Um, she made amazing masa suvada. Um, in Maria Lawton's cookbook, she has, I mentioned she has three recipes for arroz dos, and she has two recipes for masa suvada, um, one from her mother and one from her aunt, her tia. Um, and both of them are like two pages of directions, <laughs> very elaborate. Um, I, and I have my own recipe that I've tried to figure out. And let me tell you, I think it's really there's something about portuguese cooking where i think you have to practice it like a thousand times or something because it's just the the families and the the heart of the family the cook in the family who has just been cooking these meals over and over and over again and every meal is like <laughs> It drives me crazy because I'm always like, is there a secret ingredient? Is there a secret technique? And I have yet to figure out um, 
if it's a technique, if it's an ingredient, because the ingredient list always seems very similar. Um, for arroz dos, it's like rice and milk and sugar. And, you know, like the, the weirdest flavoring would be, I think you put a little bit of vanilla maybe. And the weirdest flavoring is, um, is lemon, right? And you put lemon rind and, um, and then of course, cinnamon on top. And then also for masa suvada, it's like, you know, flour, sugar, salt, you know, all of the basics, yeast. And for flavoring, you put in a little rind of lemon. And I think my grandmother was like, you have to have your hands warm and you have to butter your hands. Maybe your hands are cold. There's something, something about your fingers when you're, when you're kneading the dough. And she said that was her secret thing. And um, having made it, let me tell you that uh, I don't know what's wrong with mine, but it just either it never rises or it never tastes. Um, it never tastes the same. And I feel like that's, one of the crucial things for a cookbook and for even a TV series about food, because it's um, completely absurd to watch other people eating and, you know, they talk about the smells and you're like, ah, I can't smell it. But um, her show is just very evocative of, um, of all of the meals. And again, like, she will, she like every episode she sits down with somebody or she goes into their kitchen and they're like, all right, let's make this dish. That's very specific to this certain area or specific to our family. And it's like, you know, olive oil, onion, garlic, salt, pepper, you know, and then meat or chicken or fish or, you know, shrimp or whatever. Um, maybe there's tomato in that initial sauce. But I always feel like that the sauces always feel so core and basic, and it feels like they should be um, very simple. Muy simplificada. Very simplified. Um, but that's just what they are, you know? And um, um, to contrast um, Maria's, uh, Maria Lawton's uh, cooking, um, there is some other Portuguese guy. And I don't really, it's rare that I come across anything that I really don't like talking about, but I need to sort of give like a really negative review of something. Cause I want to warn people away from buying this really weird and kind of um, cheap book and like this guy's brand, which I, I, I personally don't like. Um, I don't want to offend anybody out there. Um, but um, I bought his book and, um, this book is called a hundred Portuguese moments in a not so Portuguese world. And, um, before I get into the book, his brand is about cooking and he's like, um, a cynical New Jersey guy, I guess. And I, I think his whole thing is like, you need to hack the Portuguese method of cooking because like anybody can make these dishes and I saw some of his recipes and um, they're kind of absurd because he's kind of like, oh, make soup just by adding water instead of like chicken stock, you know? And he's like, yeah, boil for, you know, 20 minutes and do this and do that and chop this. Um, so he kind of gives like 
brief directions. Um, you know, like I'm not, I'm not the greatest cook in the world, but from reading it, I, I like, I know that it's, um, it's incomplete and he's, he, he's, um, like, he's not including serving size or like how many portions you're making. So if you make a soup, it's kind of like, he's like, well, yeah, here, you know, 10 potatoes and like what size potatoes and like, what's the proportion that you put the potatoes in with the broth and, you know, and he's like, yeah, if, it, if it's too much liquid, then just, you know, boil it for another two minutes, simmer it down. It's like, you're not going to lose that much liquid in two minutes. Um, so anyway, so it just, it just feels a little bit like he's, uh, he's cheating, um, in a really kind of weird way. Um, and, you know, but apparently he's, you know, he's got a brand and a, um, um, I don't really like his website either. Um, but you know, he posts on Facebook. Um, and so the reason that I'm telling you not to buy the book and seriously, if you're ever, um, and the only reason I bought it was cause I was looking online and I was like, oh, here's a book. And I was, I was actually ordering from, um, shop Portugal, um, which is run by the Portuguese kids, which are like a comedy group. And they're, um, they're actually kind of funny, but during COVID, I think they also decided to branch out and like, you know, mail, you know, figure out how to, how to ship out cheese and sausages and like Marcella and chorizo, um, to people. And, you know, it's really good. So I got this from, um, shopportugal.com and I had no idea what the inside of the book was going to look like. And it arrives and it's thin and it's hardcover. And I paid like $30 for it. So I'm thinking, okay, so it's called a hundred Portuguese moments in a not so Portuguese world. A hundred moments is like, okay, so this is going to be a, a decent read, right? I open it up and there's so much white space on every single page that it's absolutely embarrassing. Um, so every single page is literally like a sentence or two and there's a cute little drawing of like a rooster um and like i think the guy thinks he's a comedian i think he thinks these are one-liners but these like they're they're stereotypical and they kind of um he's kind of being cynical about how like they were poor. So random page, page 41, you guys remember layaway? We put so much stuff on layaway. I thought that counter at Kmart in the back was like a bank. What? I didn't get that. Uh, page 40. My mom thinking I know speak a lot. English was a negotiation tactic from my first car to my wife's engagement ring. Right. So I've just read like, do you see how short that is? Um, I don't also like, I don't think that's funny. I mean, I, I get that he thinks it's funny. I get that he's trying to be super cynical and he's like, Oh, you know, you gotta, you know, aren't Portuguese people cheap? Like, no, like, okay. Like if you, if you gave me more, background like paint me a picture you know like don't just put down all of these 
one-liners that are not funny. Um, how do you explain to your friends that you eat chicken feet? Was it easier to tell them about the snails? Um, okay, so I don't eat chicken feet. I have never come across a Portuguese recipe that has chicken feet in it. Um, I've, I've had chicken feet actually in a Chinese restaurant. So, um, here's another one. Santa Claus didn't get credit for the gifts under the tree in our house. Portuguese people work hard and they make sure everyone knows it. Even the kids. Um, yeah. All right. So just, just letting you know that this is, um, like he he's also trying to do something of like oh, we're all in it together um you know like this is all secret code for a, a weird club that we're all in um and as if the whole so part when i talk about the diaspora and and the specifically the diaspora of the azores I'm generally talking about the people who emigrated after the volcano that I, I just talked about before. Um, and I think the numbers are like right now there, are, you know, there's a quarter of a million people actually living on the islands right now. I think 150 of them are 150,000 of them are on San Miguel. Um, so if a quarter of a million are in the islands, then it's actually three quarters of a million descendants and immigrants are living in America. So like the diaspora is not an insignificant proportion when we think about like immigration patterns and things, um, you know, and that's not even counting all of the other Portuguese speaking nations and all the other immigration that happens, you know, Brazil and China, um, uh, Macau and, you know, all of these in India and, um, all of these other former colonies all over the world and Africa, good God. Um, I, I, I'm not an expert. I, um, I'm interested in learning the history. Um, this is why I'm focused, focusing on the Azores. Um, I don't know about the, the other, all of like all of the other immigration patterns. I'm, I'm focusing on <laughs> the immigration patterns, specifically in Massachusetts, actually. And I try to bring in what I know of California and, you know, Newark and, and other places like that. Um, and I'm also creating a, a blog and, and the Facebook group and, um, and I'm doing a podcast because I want to find my extended family um, that of other immigrants and the children of immigrants and people who are trying to connect with their history um, in a way that shows love and affection and a genuine um, respect for the people who've come before and the culture and all of the things, even the stuff that I don't understand, I want to show respect, uh, which is why <laughs> This author just sort of drives me crazy. Um, um, like his, his last page. In closing, I know my parents sounded crazy, but if you're a product of Portuguese parents, all of this will seem completely normal to you. Um, 
you know, with all that said, in the end, I somehow convinced my parents to let me go to professional wrestling school, tour the country as a drummer with my band, and move to Florida. So to the young pork chops coming up, I say, I walked so you could run. So, um, I, you know, I, he, he's using the word pork chop as if it's a term of affection. But, uh, I don't know. His, his website has, um, I think in Portuguese, um, like a saying in Portuguese that's like, that translates to, um, shut up and eat, um, which is, which is fine. I mean, it's, it's, it's not the tone that I'm going for. Um, and even like Maria Lawton, I really respect her and I love that she's so entranced by going back and, and really digging into, you know, the people in America and the people on the islands. Um, and, and, she, and also that she's recording it and the, the colors that her show uses, it's like, it's, it's like pages out of a glossy magazine. It's like Technicolor, you know, it, there's, um, there's nothing too scary. There's nothing too haunting. There's nothing dramatic. There's never anything, there's never anything negative, right? Like she's kind of doing it for a straight up tourist, um, audience, you know, it's, it's her, her show is in among the other cooking shows and travel shows and, and, you know, happy sort of straightforward stuff. Um, I feel like my story is a little, um, I feel like if you leave out the word sodad, um, which is this weird Portuguese word, and I think that's a word that comes from the mainland, but I think it's applicable to the, um, to the islands as well. Um, it's kind of a, like this longing and this sadness for a time maybe that never even was, um. But if you, if you don't have that, if you can't, um, if you can't counter all of the happiness, um, and the beauty of the islands and the beauty of the food and the beauty of the people, um, if you don't acknowledge that there's sadness, um, I feel like there's something, <laughs> you're kind of missing an element, uh, that kind of defines the culture, um. And if you're just making jokes about it, you're also kind of, I, I don't know. I feel like you're, you're kind of missing the point. Um, it's, it's not, it's not just tourism. It's not just beauty. It's, there's also pain in there. Um, I talked about my mom passing away and that was extremely emotional for me. Um, you heard her in the first episode and I wish that I had recorded so much more of her and her life. Um, and you know, like her biggest tragedy was that, you know, she married a man, um, and they had, you know, 14 years together, completely happy. Um, and then he died, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's also the great tragedy of my life. Um, and then we, we, stuck together mother and daughter um for the rest of our lives and i moved from boston to new york and she was always um missing me and you know she she loved me so much and there's a portuguese thing of always having your kids near you and having 
being surrounded by family. Um, and she would be on the phone all the time because, you know, and, and she went to Portugal a few times in the Azores, um, a few times without me, um, just to visit everyone. So, you know, there's, there's this idea that, that, you know, a hundred years ago, 200 years ago, people would get on a boat and never see their relatives again. Um, but my mother left, but she <laughs> was in constant contact with everyone. Um, and I'm not that kind of person. I don't, I'm not on the phone all the time. I'm just a different, I'm just a different generation. Um, you know, I'm, I'm on social media. And so that's how I keep in touch with my, my family and the fact that I'm going to go visit them, um, this summer in a few weeks is, um, exciting and wonderful. And, um, it's going to be very emotional for me. Um, and I have, I have an aunt, Tia Mida, Maria de Rosario. Um, and my mother couldn't say her name. She couldn't say that. So she shortened it to Mida, um, who lives in San Miguel. And my mother would call her, she would call, or Tia would call my mother every Sunday night. And every, they would talk for an hour, half an hour, um, like every, every week for years. And after my mom died, my Tia, she calls every, every, not every week, but every other week, um, and talks to me and she only speaks Portuguese and my Portuguese is still not, not good enough. I'm still learning like my whole life I've been learning and I feel like you know, when am I going to feel, when am I going to feel comfortable, you know, and maybe my Portuguese is better than I realize, but I'm, I'm shy about it and I'm hesitant. And this is why I, I go and when I go, I'm going to force myself not to be with my family the whole time and force myself to, you know, get a coffee with strangers <laughs> and order, go to the grocery store and ask for things with, you know, from strangers. Um, because my, all my family speaks, you know, is bilingual or trilingual. Um, and they're also not embarrassed. I'm super shy, super embarrassed. Um, you know, which is odd that I'm doing a podcast, but you know, whatever. Um, so my aunt, my aunt calls regularly. Um, she doesn't care. <laughs> she doesn't care about how I feel about my by wanting to speak perfect Portuguese. She doesn't care, whatever. She's, she's doing a family thing to make sure that I'm, I'm still here. And she's been asking me to visit. Um, and it's a really, a really beautiful thing. I, I first went when I was like eight years old and, you know, her house was the first stop and it was so, um, it, it imprinted on my mind what a gift the Azores are um, to me. And as a family, it's a whole other world. Like travel is amazing. People should always do it. Um, and especially do it when you're young. Um, Cause I have, I have plenty of stories of how I was frustrated that I couldn't find a McDonald's. And now when I go, I get mad if there was a McDonald's cause I want it to be pristine and I want to remember it the way it was when I was eight, but it's 
just as modern um, as America, especially Lisbon. The islands are not overbuilt and they're not um, overrun with tourists at all. So, um, but I hope to either record when I'm there or record when I get back. Um, look for Learn Azorian um, on Facebook and all the links should be available on my homepage. Um, and um, Learn Azorian dot blogspot.com is the blog. Um, I kept that up for 10 years and now I'm going to try to be, and I stopped during COVID, but I think I'm going to pick it up. Thank you very much for listening. Um, I hope that you are also going to learn words and stories and have a very enriching journey learning Portuguese of the Azores. Um, along with me. Thank you very much. Tell log.